This is Camp Life, The Other Side. A bi-weekly podcast for summer camp professionals. Hosted by Kelly Cook and Natalie Hamilton. Now it's time to explore the other side of summer camp. Welcome back to our... We're now in, I guess, official episodes. We've done all of our summer recap, and mm-hmm. here we go. We are in official off-season. <laughs> Woo-woo-woo! Official off-season. So, today, we are talking about a trend, aren't we? We are. We are talking about this trend of quiet quitting. It is all over social media right now. All over social media. So, I... <laughs> I'm not on very many social media things like I do Facebook and that's about it. Um, I don't even know how to work Snapchat. So (laughs) apparently it's on TikTok, which I also do not have and I'm not on very often. Chris is Um, not going to like that you said that. Chris is going to try and convince you that you need a TikTok because um, I had to fold and get one not uh too long ago. Yeah, I, I I will I will do my best, Chris, for a TikTok, but I still can't figure out how to work Snapchat. So I just don't even try at this point in time. Um, but that's besides the point. Um, but anyway, we we had talked about it and one of our instructors happened to be in here at the time and I was asking her, like, what is this? And so of course she pulled up all these videos about it. We were kind of t- talking about it. And again, it is everywhere at this point in time. And figure to be interesting to kind of talk through what does that look like for camps? What could it look like? I mean, we all have staffing issues already. Is this going to be another added layer of a staffing issue that we're going to have to have to work through this summer? And what, if anything, can we kind of preemptively do to hopefully avoid this quiet quitting trend um, amongst summer camps this year? Yeah. And, and for those who haven't heard about this, because if you, you can Google quiet quitting right now, uh, you can Google it amongst Gen Z, you can Google it in just almost every field in the corporate world. But if you try to Google what is quiet quitting or how quiet quitting affects the seasonal industry or how it affects the childcare industry or the summer camp industry, there's nothing out there. Uh, as of of the, at least of the day we are recording this, there is currently Mm -hmm. nothing out there on how this might affect summer camp. Uh, you had a really good definition in our research. So Nat and I actually researched this one before we came up with things that not really so much of what to do to fix it, but just things to be aware of and maybe Mm -hmm. start thinking about as we start to enter hiring season. Oh my gosh, we're in hiring season. Almost. (laughs) It's sneaking up on all of us. That's for sure. Gosh, we're here. We are again. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so you had a really good definition when Mm -hmm. you were doing your research. Do you want to click for those? Yeah. So, and yeah, and most of them are most of the ones that I found, like when we're, when I was pulling up any kind of page or podcast, not even a podcast, but talk or TikTok video that I could find about it. A lot of them generally were around this same kind of concept is it's, it's the premise of stop doing work that people think is beyond what they were hired to do. Um, and again, there's a couple different variations of that, but for the most part, that that definition is kind of rung true, at least for what quiet quitting is meant to be. And I think that's the other big issue is the word quiet quitting or you know the phrase quiet quitting can have many different implications. And there was one that I was reading about, and it was talking about what 
what it truly means when you ask the boomer generation versus the Gen X generation versus millennials versus Gen Mm -hmm. Z. And every single generation has a different interpretation of what the phrase quiet quitting means, but at least from what it was intended to be from what we can gather is the stop doing work that people think is beyond what they were hired to do. Um, And then another kind of subset of that is a lot of people are trying to change that term from quiet quitting to act your wage um, as they feel that is a little bit more appropriate for what they're they're intending to do with this kind of movement and this motion. Um, but bo- both of those kind of go hand in hand as far as what quiet quitting is meant to be. It's doing more than what you're hired to do essentially or doing more than what you feel you are being paid to do. Yeah. And what was also interesting too is that Apparently this is not a new concept. It's just a new Mm -hmm. trend that's called quiet quitting. So yes, Gen Z is the one calling it quiet quitting. Millennials, we kind of decided to call this a setting boundaries is what I saw. And then Mm -hmm. it went far back as Gen X. And for me, it said Gen X called this slacking off. So this concept has been around for a while. Mm -hmm. It's just picked up on this new trend through social media which is everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And then from what I was reading, a lot of it stemmed from when COVID, when COVID first hit and, you know, the, the great walkout, as a lot of people were calling it, where people were uh, purposely leaving jobs for various reasons, but COVID did not obviously help that. Um, So it started with this big, this mass exodus of your employer and going to different jobs, going to better jobs, going to whatever the case may be, but something that was not what you were currently working at. And now this is kind of the next aspect of that is we have the, 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 the great exodus, the great movement, everyone has quit and found a new job. And now we're in this quiet quitting, act your, act your wage um, mentality. And, and like you said, it's all over everywhere at this point in time. Yeah. And, and another thing to note before we get into the, the camping end of this, is that a lot of what you and I both researched were on the corporate end of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that is where one of at least my biggest issues that we'll kind of talk through as we get going into this is this is all in a, at least at this point, a very corporate mentality and corporate culture, corporate mentality is very, very different from your blue collar work. And very, very different from our seasonal work and seasonal aspect. And so when we talk about it's all over social media, well, our staff are typically the younger ones that are heavily influenced by social media. So how much is this influence of this corporate setting going to affect what they they perceive should be happening and should be done in a seasonal or more of a blue collar type job? So, and that's, and that's kind of the big thing here is when we are talking about camp, I think our biggest concern from our conversations is more the influence aspect. Correct. Absolutely. It's, it's, you know, our, our young teens, our, you know, young staff are seeing this and is it really applicable in a camp setting? Is it truly going to have the same benefit that they are hoping it would in a, you know, general or typical office corporate setting, is it going to have that same effect 
on in a setting like ours. And I, I don't believe it's going to, but I do worry about the influence that that's going to have is these are our staff are going to come in with a very different perception of what they think it should be versus what the kind of reality of it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, so let, let's jump into the camp side of things, unless there's anything else you wanted to mention from mm -hmm. our, our research. Uh, no, I mean, I, I mean, I guess I have two, I have two issues with this whole, this whole trend. Um, and the one, like we already mentioned, is, is the influence. The other thing that I find I am struggling with understanding, and it, you can say it's because of my generation, you can say it's wrong, <laughs> it might be, I don't know. But personally, the issue that I have with a lot of these, and you look up these phrases and people define it, it's, it's this stop doing work that people think is beyond what um they're hard to do you know working for not working for what you're not being paid to do um it, it goes back to the employee's perception of their value and i think that's where i struggle with because what what background do they have what basis do they have what context do they have that is going to lend to that that mentality. What what context are they going to provide to help them perceive what they feel they are valued at? I've been in you know my job this world for close to fifteen years. Just because I think that my salary should be higher, or I think that I'm worth this more, doesn't necessarily mean that that is the reality. Doesn't necessarily mean that's what the um, industry as a whole is going to perceive it as well. So there's this, this contrasting um, perceptions between an employer and what they feel as an industry is appropriate and fair, and an employee who, who knows what their basis is, who knows what their background is to where they are making these, um, these kind of judgments and these calls of what they feel is fair. My biggest thing when thinking about seasonal staff, and we did that whole podcast with, with Adam from Jeff mm -hmm. Lake uh, on Gen Z. And if you have not listened to that, definitely go back and listen to that. We recorded it before summer and it's really good and really insightful on how Gen Z functions. It's a lot of recap directly from Gen Z's mouth. Adam is just recapping it with us. Mm -hmm. And so looking at that and how that conversation went, and then looking at this trend of quiet quitting, you know, really trying to look at our, at our seasonal staff and figuring out what do we need to do as directors in preparation for hiring and, yes. and really kind of looking over the whole process, I guess, mm -hmm. really, because if our staff are so influenced by this quiet quitting, there are things that we need to be conscious of as directors going into hiring. I think that we, we need to be mindful of, or we may need to ad not adjust in like an overhaul sense, but adjust slightly enough that we are consciously making an effort of saying things, doing things, writing certain things down so that if we do experience staff trying to do the bare minimum or exactly what's in their job description, we kind of can come back and, and hold them accountable to a certain standard. And it may not be being going above and beyond, but at least it protects camp 
from them just sitting and essentially babysitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like it's a perfect time because we are one of the industries where we are lucky enough to where we do, for the most part, get a break. We get a chance to reset and really kind of think through this before we bring in our next crew of staff. So if this is something that we can potentially get ahead of the problem with, hopefully it won't become an issue for, for you this summer. Um, so that, that is one benefit for, for having a seasonal type role is we do get that chance to kind of reset and rethink about it. Absolutely. And again, it, it you know, we always kind of joke about <laughs> the, um, random, like yesterday, Kelly was helping me because the goats kept getting out. And so we always <laughs> kind of joke about like, this was not in my job description of wrangling goats. That it's, it's in that, that quote unquote other duties as a sign, mm-hmm. or, you know, we need to go, I don't even know, clean up the gutters or we're in the lake trying to fix a pipe, like the random things that come up in not only our camp life, but just our everyday life that we kind of joke about, oh, I can add this to my resume. Uh-huh. Um, and that's not really in my job description, but that's okay. Um, those, those things are going to come up and that other duties as assigned, at least from what we can kind of, or what I've read and gathered, isn't cutting it anymore. That mm-hmm. being able to have that overall caveat in that job description of, you know, whatever else is necessary, isn't that's where this quiet quitting trend is really stemming from is people aren't wanting to do that. They want to stick to what their job is and what their job entails and the, the not going what some have called above and beyond to, to kind of help with that better work-life balance. Yes, I, there's lots of aspects that I can agree with that and see that, especially when we start talking about director level staff, um, that work-life balance is always a major issue for all of us. Um, but in a seasonal capacity, really being able to go above and beyond, that's what camps are about. Mm-hmm. You know, we are more than just a babysitter. We want to be able to capitalize on those individual moments to bring excitement and entertainment and spontaneity. And those are things that I feel like we're never going to be able to list out all of those details in a job description for a counselor. So where's that balance of doing what your job is versus affecting the camp experience and the the whole camp mentality as a whole? I don't have an answer for directors on how to fix it or how to prepare for it, but I would just say, start looking at your job descriptions, see if there's anything in there that is, just make sure it's vague enough that it covers what you need them to do without being too vague that they just kind of take it off the cuff and it's, it's whatever. I would also suggest looking at your interview questions and seeing if there are questions that you can ask that hint towards quiet quitting and how they may respond to certain situations or uh, how they might go about doing things and seeing if you can kind of gauge where they're at with it. I don't know if I would openly ask, what are your thoughts and feelings on quiet quitting? <laughs> I don't think we're there yet. Uh, I don't think I want to know their thoughts and feelings on that in all honesty. Yeah. But I mean, if it does come up in conversation, you know, really making sure they understand what is expected of them. And then I think after, you know, you get through the interview, and giving them their job description, should you hire them and and all these different things, really make sure the expectations are clear during staff training. 
and really making sure that those areas are written down to write down your expectations for the staff just so that should they jump on this trend or try to jump on this trend in this industry you have something to uphold to them because we we had the example we had one staff member this summer who did the bare minimum they made sure that Mm -hmm. the kids were safe there was nothing you know that they did that would be a fireable offense and then we had our staff who went above and beyond and Mm -hmm. it's a matter of trying to figure out when we're looking at invite letters you know, do we invite the person back who did the bare minimum? Well, it's not that I wouldn't necessarily, they didn't do a bad job. They just Mm -hmm. did the job. Yes. And that was it. So, and I don't know if they were conscious about it or not. I feel like the quiet quitting is a conscious effort to do it. I don't know if they were consciously doing that or not. That may Mm -hmm. just have been who they were as a person and how they, they did things. I don't think I, Honestly, knowing that person, I don't think it was a conscious mm-hmm. thing that they did. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, in how they worked. But then you go and you look at the staff you want to invite back and you start thinking, well, do I invite this person back? And that's where then, especially in an in, in industry like ours, where it is so customer service driven, you know, we're going to either get parent complaints about the one staff member because they're they're boring they're too strict they're not outgoing you know we're going to get those kind of potentially negative feedbacks from those staff members even though they are doing the job Mm -hmm. and we're going to get the positive feedback and positive reviews from those counselors who are the loud bubbly out-of-the-box thinkers we're going to go do this you know all of a sudden the spontaneous the spontaneous ones um, but at that point, it's a business decision. I mean, we need to be able to have the staff who can do that because if you have enough camper or enough families who are complaining, then that's going to affect your bottom line. You're not going to have campers coming to camp. So again, a kind of that mentality of would quiet quitting work at camp? I don't really think so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even extend that to any, any industry where you are responsible for the, the well-being and the life of another in, individual, animal, anything of that sort where you are solely responsible for their well-being in that time you're not going to ever be able to do the bare minimum. You know, I see a lot of the videos come up and it's like, oh, five o'clock, I'm leaving. What if you still have a camper that hasn't been picked up? Mm -hmm. You don't get to just drop everything and leave. Um, That's not going to work. You know, you extend that to nursing. You can extend that to pretty much anything in the healthcare industry, Um, potentially even teaching. I mean, there anything where you are responsible for that other person, there has to be that willingness to be able to go above and beyond in some capacity every day. There needs to be that flexibility. You're going to have things that are going to come up that maybe you were not prepared or didn't think you were going to have to handle that day, but that is part of the job. So then the other piece of that is, well, is there a compensation piece that we need to be looking at for those types of situations? And, and again, we already get 
are we already are struggling with staff pay as an industry in camping we're already struggling with paying our staff enough so if we're already have low wages and now we're coupled with this influence of this doing the bare minimum of what the job entails not so again not doing a bad job but just doing what the job at its most basic level is can we compete are we are we taking ourselves in a deeper hole of trying to find staff who want to work in this field and can we pay them fairly and adequately for that yeah and i don't know i don't know that's where we don't have the answer but mm -hmm. let's say for seasonal wise so let's switch over to director level because mm -hmm. as directors we do have more of a i don't even it's not corporate world but it is definitely more in line yeah. with I, I feel America. it's a lot more relatable I feel yes. like the, the whole quiet quitting trend is not necessarily relatable for most seasonal positions and most seasonal roles so where I feel we're going to have it actively as a struggle not necessarily preemptively in our hiring process and struggling to find staff actively have that mentality going on or this movement going on would be more in those full-time roles your you know full-time coordinator and director level roles Yes. Yeah. So whereas we think the summer staff are going to be influenced mm -hmm. and, and just not know the difference, directors will be able to try and truly implement it and, mm -hmm. and try to make it happen. But I think it goes back to that definition where it's like they think they're worth their wage or whatever the mm -hmm. definition was originally, like thinking they're worth more than they actually are. And so therefore they're putting in the bare minimum. I feel like even if say you or I were to do that. So like, you're a great example because it's the horses and things come okay. up with the horses, right? I mean, you Absolutely. get, you get the knocks on your door from borders at night because the horse is colicking or choking or doing something. And yes. so it's one of those things that if you as an equestrian director were to clock out at five o'clock and say you are done mm -hmm. and a horse starts choking and yes, it is the borders horse. Mm -hmm. But even if it's one of our horses, like absolutely what, you know, you're not just going to let them suffer. You, you as a person are going to mm -hmm. act on it. But if you truly took up quiet quitting, then it's not your problem. Yep. Essentially. Absolutely. I don't see how that would work. Like, I don't see how that happens. I mean, for me, even though we're a day camp and because we're a day camp, parents will send me emails at when they get home and they talk to their kids and they have questions and they want clarification. And some of those emails, yes, can wait till the next day. But like I had a parent this summer, not want to send their kid the next day because another kid was picking on them and things like that. Well, I had to call the other parent and tell them what was going on in hopes that this other kid would come to camp. Yeah. So, but that phone call happened at seven 30 at night, which I don't typically respond to emails after six or answer the phone after six, but in certain situations I have to mm -hmm. like it. And it's not, I mean, that's a matter of that's customer service at that point. That is a kid may not come to camp tomorrow or the remainder of the week because of another child. Mm -hmm. So as a director, I feel like that's kind of my, I mean, at that point it is, it falls to me. That's not a counselor, you know, handling that. Yeah, absolutely. But if you kind of, if you were to implement that at your wage, you're not going to, just because I know you as a person, you're not going to expect an extra 
bonus on your check no. just because you made did a phone your call. job. <laughs> you made a phone call. And that is your job. It yes. just happens to be outside of the normal hours. Yes. You know, even when you were in the you know, last episode, we were talking about you went to go help out at the other camp for the last two weeks. Technically, you were on vacation from yes. here. You were on PTO from here. <laughs> But there were still things that were coming up that either only you were able to handle mm-hmm. or that you had to have give us the approval to do or things that need to be run by you that, again, if it's not handled at that point in time, it becomes a massive customer service issue to where that does affect camp as a whole. Yeah. And again, it comes back to that, that, that worry of people seeing these videos and talking about this and being influenced by this in a corporate setting. And we are not a corporate setting. Yeah. Do you need to establish boundaries? Absolutely. A hundred percent. But this mentality of I'm just going to do what was exactly my job description I, again, I don't see it working with camps. I don't see it being feasible with camps. And again, you might disagree with me, but if that's the case, then you shouldn't be in this world in the first place. If that's truly what you feel is you should be able to clock out at five and no one bother you. And, you know, no one's going to, especially if it's in summer, like off season, you have a little bit more wiggle room typically, but if your job is a retreat coordinator at a camp and you expect to be able to not or have every single weekend off, then you're in the wrong field. <laughs> yep. Like it's just that's the simple truth. And I feel employers are going to get to the point where they're so afraid of this quiet quitting that they're afraid of backlash and afraid to let people go. At what point does the quiet quitting affect the job performance and you're afraid to fire them? Um, but you need to. Yep. There are plenty of people. This is a small, small, small world. You know, we talk all the time about how there are some people, so many people that want to get into full-time camping and the jobs just aren't available. They just aren't there. That is one benefit I feel that we do have, at least in that director level world, is there's a lot of fish in a very, very small pond Mm -hmm. that we can all work in. So if you let someone go, you're more than likely going to be able to find someone to replace them very, very easily. Um, And so again, studying those boundaries, but also knowing that that kind of extra above and beyond is part of the job. It it just comes with the territory. I was going to say, it doesn't even, it's not even like the extra above and beyond though. Like it is still your job because as the Mm -hmm. camp director, you don't have to be the wild and crazy, upbeat, you know, counselor that we talked about when you talked about seasonal staff, but you need to be able to handle things and answer questions. And mm-hmm. I don't know. And then it falls down to also to exempt versus hourly yes. because you and that's have- something we, we talked a lot about is the salary versus hourly or exempt versus non-exempt um, issues that arise as well with this. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel that a lot of the times, again, since so much of this, this trend is happening in the corporate world, majority of the time they are salaried employees, they are exempt employees. And with that, you're not eligible for overtime. Like no. that is the reason you go to a salaried position or you go to an exempt position because the mentality or the mindset is you're going to work more than 40 hours a week. There might be times where you don't, there may be times where you get to work 30 hours that week, but there may be times where you're working 50 or 60 the next week to make up for it. Mm -hmm. Or because things arise, you are not legally eligible for 
overtime. And if that is your issue and that is a big problem you have, then you need to, as yourself, be the responsible person and say, hey, I would much rather go to an hourly role. Yeah. And if you cannot do that role in an hourly role, then you shouldn't be in that position. (laughs) Uh, Again, I feel like because of the staffing shortage, so many people are afraid to lose the employees they have. Um, And I I completely understand that. But at some point, employers are going to have to make a drastic change, Mm -hmm. whether that is with their staffing structure, whether that is with their business model, whether that is with their entire um, organization as a whole. There's going to have to be big changes. If you can't get the staff in, then you need to make changes to work within what your staff can do, but also be willing to get rid of the staff that are not willing to do those things. And I don't think that should fall on the employer. That is another kind of issue I feel like I have with this whole quiet quitting thing is people are putting their employers in a really bad position. Not always. Are there going to be bad managers? Absolutely. Are there going to be bad employees to work with or employers to work with? A hundred percent. And probably in the corporate world, that's probably a lot more common than what we deal with Mm -hmm. in the camp world. Not saying there's not validity there, but if you think about incorporating that into a camp model, again, you cannot realistically do this job in any director role at a camp for 40 hours a week, nine to five, for the entire year. It's just not possible. Um, not it, even a day not camp. We do. Not, not even a day camp. Is not even a day camp. Absolutely. Um, so, and if that's truly what you think you should be doing and think that that is how you value your time and that's what you think you are worth, then you need to probably look at another job. Just saying. And you can disagree with me. That's completely okay. I'm, I'm fine with that. But that is my my personal, and I know you feel very similarly mm-hmm. about that, is, you know, we, we see all the time of people complaining about they're not paying me enough at this camp, or I can't get a job here, this, that, and the other. And I understand that, yes, that's an issue we're all working with. But also, are you willing to put in the effort and the work to prove that you are as valuable as you think you are. Mm-hmm. And I feel there's a big chunk of the people that want to get into camping. And again, I'm not going to like this, but I'm going to say mm-hmm. it. There's a big chunk of people that want to get into camping that think they are far more valuable and worth a lot more than what they tr- truly are. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to that, again, that perceived image of how do you value yourself? How do you value your time? What do you think you're worth? You pretty much hit the nail right on the head on that one. I think, and, and, you know, we also mentioned entitlement and I think that's exactly what, you know, you were kind of talking about without even using the word entitlement. And, and another thing that I feel that, again, it's kind of being unfairly put on employers is, you know, the pay before you accept the job. At least I hope you do. I hope, I you, hope do. you would know the pay before I hope you, you officially accept the job. So if you willingly took a job that you know is going to have nights and weekends and extra things that are going to be involved in it at that pay rate, why is it the employer's fault that you feel you're not being fairly compensated anymore? You could have very easily not taken the job and tried to go somewhere else. I can't tell you, this is the first time, oh gosh, since I've started working the past, you know, couple years, basically since I've moved down here has been the first time since I started working when I was 14, 15, that I have not had multiple jobs. I've always loved my job. And I always know that 
well, I need to pay, I, I need to make more. I'm not going to go up to my employer and say, oh yeah, I'm not going to handle this issue anymore until you give me a raise because honestly, I just think that's rude. And so I will take a second job. I'll take a part-time job. I, you know, did uh, shift up North. We had that. It's, you know, the Instacart stuff for a little bit. Is it making me money, uh, tons of money? Absolutely not. But as a little side hustle, absolutely. I remember at one point I was decorating cakes at a Baskin Robbins a couple days a week just for that extra income. But I knew that going into the job that I wanted to be in and the job I wanted to do, it wasn't going to support what I needed financially. So it was on me to make up the extra. It was on me to make up find another job, make up that extra income. I wasn't going to make my employer who was very open and honest, honest with me about this is what the workload is. This is what is expected of you. And this is what you're going to be paid. Had I not been okay with that, I would have simply gone somewhere else. Yeah. It's that simple. <laughs> it really is. It is that simple. I mean, you know, we, I mean, especially in the camping industry with not having you know, the means to necessarily pay our employees what we want to. I mean, I know you and I would love to pay our employees much more than we do, but we are stuck to a budget because this is a business. We talk about that all the time and we're not a corporate business. We don't have money coming out the wazoo. And so, yeah, I mean, it is partially on the employee to, to find the extra means, especially if you're doing something you love, which is again, another thing that this generation is they want to they want to make an impact they want to do things that they enjoy they want to do more of you know a job based off of how they feel as opposed to you know just work to work right so if you are in a job you love but it's not paying what you need it to I could definitely see this generation being more of Yes, they're asking for more money because they love their job, but that's not how it necessarily works. Like at that point, do the job you love, but also find the job that will make your ends meet as well and do two jobs. Yes, it is hard in this, you know, in the camping industry to, to do that, you know, to work two jobs, especially if you are a summer employee or if you are, you know, it's hardcore in the summer. Okay, well then take the extra job in the off season if you can make your extra money, save those dollars to carry you through the three months and pick it back up if you're able. Or, you know, I know I worked seasonally before I fell into full time. And so, you know, you, you make what you can. The nice part about working seasonally is I always had housing provided. So I didn't have those expenses, but I still had student loans. I still had a car payment. I still had bills that I still had to pay. And so you have to just figure it out. Yeah. And I know that's, that's a, probably unpopular opinion because a lot of a lot of the conversations being had is you should be able to work you know one job work a full-time job you should be able to more than sustain yourself but the reality of it is the 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 economy does not support that unfortunately housing market does not support that you know rising in cost of everything does not support that so simply an employer paying you more isn't going to solve the issue because the employer pays you more well, then whatever product they're having to provide that you're being paid for has to rise as well. And inflation already is at an astronomical rate. It's just going to continue to further that process. 
to where we get to a point where can we afford as many staff as we have? Then who's making cuts? Then who's getting cut and who's losing a job? Um, and then again, if you're, if you're, if, if as an employer, you are faced with having to terminate someone for strictly business purpose, because you cannot afford to keep multiple people on, who are you going to keep the person who's doing mm -hmm. the bare minimum or the person who is going a little above and beyond an extra and really trying to help and benefit that company? You're going to pick the person who's doing the extra. Yeah. Um, and, and again, this, uh, the other thing that I think kind of irked me, I guess, a lot is a lot of this conversation was not around what other things employers can provide. It was simply about pay. It is simply, you want me to do this? Well, I want to get paid extra for this. If you wanted me to do this, I want to get paid extra for that. And again, if you're an hourly employee and you're staying over to, to work, then you're already getting overtime. So it shouldn't really be an issue. So where I'm at least perceiving that most of this coming is from salaried employees. You want me to do this? Well, I want an extra bonus. I want an extra, you know, whatever at the end of the year for doing that. And that's fine and dandy, but there are other things that employers can offer and do offer. And I think that's where in the camping world, we provide, or at least most camps can provide a lot more in that other additional compensation that's not simply pay-based. Mm -hmm. We have housing a lot of times. We have meals a lot of times. Child care. Um, is child care other. potentially. Exactly. So there, there are other benefits that aren't being talked about necessarily in this quiet quitting trend. Everything that's being put out there on these videos for our soon to be you no know, staff to be influenced by is only talking about pay. So again, back on the seasonal front, we're going to have these staff coming in that are only being seen and, you know, videos and being influenced by, well, I would need to do this extra. So I have to get paid more for it. I, they want me to do this. I need to get paid. Uh, which I think is unfair for them as well, because they are not of the age necessarily that they're going to do their own research. They're not going to have the experiences to be able to critically think for themselves in that, in that regard. They're only going to see what these influencers are putting out, and that's what they're going to run with. So it's definitely something to, to think about and worry about and potentially be scared about coming into the summer um, is how, how can we circumvent that? How can we explain the job, the expectations, and what additional benefits camps can provide our staff, both in a seasonal and a you know, full-time yeah. full capacity as well? For directors listening, just kind of do some research, I would say. I know we, we definitely did and definitely learned some things. Do your research, look over your job descriptions, look at your interviews, look at your expectations for staff and kind of see what you can do. I mean, I can't give you an answer. I don't even know what we're doing yet other than exactly what I've said. I'm going to look over my job descriptions. I'm going to look at, you know, what our expectations are, interview questions, those types of things. But we can't pay our staff more this summer. We did a huge jump last year we are not able to do another big jump this year. And so we are we're not stuck to our pay scale, but we're pretty much stuck to our pay scale for this year. And if you are, because you made such a big jump last year, that's okay. Just start thinking about this because the more that this gets put on social media, the more it will influence our staff. Well, that about wraps this up. I know we didn't give you any answers, but we hopefully gave you something to think about going into your hiring season. That's, you know, weeks away now. 
and here we go again. We're we're excited about it. We're gonna hit the ground running with definitely some different perspective this year, I think, and and going forward. So thanks for listening and we will see you next time. Bye everybody.